This is for you. Now entering the game from Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. October 30th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Iris Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Eagles bounce back to beat the Bills on the road in Buffalo. The Phillies have their guy in Joe Girardi. The Sixers are the only undefeated team left in the East, while the streaky Flyers come off a three-game winning streak with two awful losses, and we are going to cover every bit of it tonight. Yeah, really happy about the Joe Girardi hire. We'll talk about that, of course. I'm loving this 76ers team, especially the way they battled back to win the last couple of games. And, boy, how people's minds changed about the Eagles thanks to one Sunday afternoon in western New York. Suddenly, there's hope again for the Birds. Well, there is, and... You know, it's funny, I I actually posted that Doug went from a dope to a genius in a matter of seven days with a nice win up there in Buffalo, and uh, we're going to talk about that tonight with our special guest, Mark Eckel, joining us. Yeah, we are. Uh, We're going to talk a lot of baseball, too. We are, and hey, how about the World Series, Chet? Six games, all one on the road as we go into game seven tonight in Houston. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, unprecedented, unbelievable, really. The Astros had such a great season, earning them home field in the World Series, and it turns out to be a series in which, as you said, the home team can't buy a win. And, man, how good has Steven Strasburg been? 5-0 and in the postseason. He was dominant last night. He sure was. And Justin Verlander, uh, now 0-6 in World Series play for a first ballot Hall of Famer, most likely. Yeah, that's just amazing. And, you know, some guys just don't have a whole lot of luck in the postseason. I mean, Clayton Kershaw's struggled in the postseason much of the time as well. A good one tonight, though, in Game 7. Max Scherzer and Zach Greinke, a couple of Cy Young Award winners going at it in Game 7. You can't ask for more than that. Are you uh, are you wanting to put the whammy on one of those teams and uh, pick which one's going to win? I'm doing the anti-nationals thing just because they're, you know, a Phillies rival, so I'm kind of rooting for Houston, but I don't have a strong preference either way, but I'm rooting for the Astros. Well, I, I am too. Uh, not not because of the anti-nationals thing. I just kind of like this Astros ball club, but I've always been a big fan of Max Scherzer because he was with the Detroit Tigers for all them years, and down in Lakeland in spring training, got to see him a lot, got to see him around town a lot, uh, and I always thought a lot of him. So, uh, you know, a little bit of mixed feelings there, but I think it's, uh, it's certainly set up to be a good one. A lot of long balls coming in this uh, World Series as well. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun to watch, and right after our show tonight, I'm going to head on home and uh, catch it on the TV and hope that the house is okay because, you know, Bill, it's mischief night. Did you do the mischief stuff when you were a kid the night before Halloween? Uh, well, it wasn't too mischievous, but eh, we did a little bit as we got a little bit older, I guess. Nothing <laughs> bad. I think the worst thing I did was, like, I would ring the doorbell and run away. You know, I didn't do any of the other yeah. stuff where you, like, I didn't egg any houses or anything, nothing like that. No, no, I never did that. We, I think one year we did a little bit of toilet paper rolling or, or something <laughs> like that along the way, but that, we were a little bit older and had a little more sense than that, but, uh, nah, nothing, nothing bad, and, uh, 
Why do I think because of your whole Comic-Con thing and all that that you're pretty into the Halloween thing? I'm into the Halloween thing, but, you know, I'm just too darn lazy to, like, go out and get a costume. And I haven't dressed up in probably about, I don't know, 12 years or whatever. But I do like the whole scary thing and, uh, you know, kids coming to the door for candy. That's fun. See, I, I do enjoy Halloween. I enjoy it, and uh, you know I love a scary movie. That's right. Well, hey, speaking of scary, uh, how about those Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles? <laughs> I you thought know, you were going to say, say, how about Mark Eckel? No. Yeah, I'm talking he's a about scary. the Eagles. <laughs> so let's welcome back our old friend Mark Eckel to Philly Press Box Radio. Mark, welcome back. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Do it hey, all Mark, right. Ken yeah. wanted to say you were scary, and I was saying the Eagles I, were scary. I, was, I heard that. I was waiting for it. I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> hey, Mark, uh, first thing, as many of our listeners know, you're retired or at least semi-retired, but you still do some well, writing for two or three. Okay. You still they're do some writing, though, for two or three websites, yeah, including that's the Green Bay that's helping, that's helping Packers focus site. So my question, Packers, how the well, heck did the Packers – What's that? How did the Packers lose to the Eagles in week four? How did that happen? Because of the ebbs and flows of an NFL season. I mean, the Eagles weren't going to go that. That was the Eagles were one and two at that point, or one and what were they? Yeah, one yeah, and two was two, week right? four. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles. That's the same reason why the Eagles beat the Bills last week. The Eagles aren't. I don't think they're an upper an upper echelon team. Let's let's let me say that first. Again, and I'm I'm far away from this, so I'm not like I, again. What I'm saying is just a. a an educated fan, I'll say. How, yeah, how no, you're, that? you're right. Uh, you're right about that. And some might not even say educated, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm not like I'm not as close. As, I'm certainly not as close as I was. But they're not an upper echelon team. But they're not a bad team. I mean, they're not they're not the Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Bengals. There's a lot of bad teams in the league right now. They're not they're not close to any of them. So it's hard. I mean, the Packers were three and zero. They were one and two. It's hard. The Packers aren't. They're not. They weren't going to go sixteen and zero. I'm. I'm. I'm pleasantly shocked that they're, well, what they are, what they are now, seven and one. I mean, um, it was. You know, it was a good game. It came down to the. What I mean, I mean, I could. I could be a fan fan and say if Devontae Adams didn't get hurt, the, the Packers win that game. But but he did, and they didn't. So that's how it happened. I mean, you know, Eagle fans like to like to taunt me with that. That uh, the Packers <laughs> only have one loss. Who 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 beat them? And, and my response always is, the Falcons only have one win. Who'd they beat? Exactly. Yep. That's, that's right. Hey, hey, Mark, I have one follow-up question on, on Green Bay, and I, I don't know if this is actually a record or not, but has, has any franchise ever gone, what is it, 17 years, I believe now, with just two quarterbacks? I think it's more than that. Um, yeah, it's, way, it's way more than that because Favre took over in 92. And oh, my math is wrong. It's 27 back. years. Right, right. I'm yeah, looking right at it. 19 I'm going to say no. Um, the Colts came close, but they had a year in between Manning and Luck, and even that wouldn't have been that long. Now, I'm going to say, prove me wrong, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, no team's ever gone that long with just two quarterbacks. And two Hall of Fame amazing. for that matter. But even, but, oh, but even just two quarterbacks, I don't think, you know? Yeah. Two absolutely great ones, and I guess the only uh, the only difference in that was the one year in '17 when uh, Brett Hundley actually played more games than well, Aaron Rodgers yeah, right. injuries. But but Rodgers yeah. is still the quarterback of that team. So yeah, 27 straight seasons with uh, 
it looks like with two, Saints, with two quarterbacks. Amazing. And and the funny part about that, I mean, you take it to you know, I'm, and we don't want to talk Packers all all night, but in between, you know, in between Bart Starr and, and Brett Favre, the Packers went through a hundred. I mean, they went through some really bad quarterbacks: Scott oh. Hunter, Jerry Taggy, Jim Delgazo. Um, uh, they traded for John Hadle when he was done. I mean, there was a lot of bad. Lynn Dickey wasn't too bad. He was a little banged up, but he wasn't too bad. But they went through a Don Don Mikowski, the Magic Man. Uh, there was a lot oh, yeah. of in between. Star and, between Star and Far, there were a lot of bad and you know bad quarterbacks, bad teams, and then and like you said, Far to Rogers has been kind of a kind of nice. I mean, it's, it's it, it is and it's like you said, rare as can be. I I can't even think anybody even close to that. I couldn't either. Well, Tom Brady's been quarterback in the Patriots for 120 years now, so. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> that he said too. Yeah, <laughs> I guess whoever take. I mean, we'll see whoever takes over for for Brady. How long he lasts? Um, yeah, Brady did. Brady did miss a year too, if you remember. He he missed an entire. Yeah, game. he did. Yep. All right, let's get to the Eagles, Mark. Uh, Deshaun Jackson yeah, yeah. might be back in action this Sunday. He is practicing now. If not, it sounds like he'll certainly be back for the next Eagles game two weeks later against the Patriots. Uh, in my Which opinion, his game. Yeah, I, I do. I agree. But in my opinion, Jackson's game two injury is the major reason the birds have struggled often offensively. Do you agree? And how important is it then to get him back out there, Deshaun Jackson? Well, so obviously, it's it's important to get your best players on the field, and he's obviously one of their better players. But I'm here's my thing. I mean, the injury that he has is he going to be the same guy? I mean, his whole right. game is predicated on speed. I mean, he's not he's not the kind of guy that's going to win a jump ball or, or, you know, be that physical presence over the middle, he's going to beat you by, by outrunning you and going deep and catching the home run. Can, is he going to be able to do that? I mean, it, you know, keep in mind, like, speed in the NFL is if you run a 4-3 and I run a 4-4, that doesn't sound much to the common man, but that's a big difference, you know? I mean, that's guys fall in the draft because they run 4-5s instead of 4-4s or whatever, you know I mean? So if he just – if if he's lost a tick, that's a big that's that that I mean, that's why they're waiting. I think that's why he's waiting waited so long even to come back because he has to be Deshaun Jackson. He can't come back as a as half of himself. You know what I'm saying? A big a big strong receiver, he can lose a little bit and still be the you know, he can still win that jump ball or win that, that that ball over the middle. That's not that's not Deshaun's game. I agree. Hey Mark, were you surprised yesterday uh, with the really the lack of movement across the whole league? Uh, you think people are pretty well satisfied with their rosters, and you think it's driven more by cap space or lack of cap space for people to be able to make big moves? No, I don't think any. I don't think it's any of that. I, I was surprised, but then here's what, in my opinion, and I'm glad you asked me that because I've been wanting to. I've been wanting to say this. I think what happened the two early trades both for wide receivers. The New England Patriots send a second-round pick to Atlanta for Mohamed Sanu, and then the 49ers send a third and a fourth to Denver for Emmanuel Sanders. That was that was pretty high price. Both, I think, New England and San Francisco, now both, granted, they're the two undefeated teams in the league, right? So they're, they can kind of do what they want. They paid a high price, and I think that set the bar very high. So now if you're the Jets and you're trying to trade Robbie Anderson – you're saying, well, if, if Atlanta got a second for Sanu, Anderson's just as good as, as he is. I want a, we want a second. And nobody's like, well, we're not giving you just because they gave a second. We're not giving you a second. We'll give you 
maybe a third, probably a fourth. And it just raised the, the price got blown up by, by those two guys that I think the teams that were looking to trade wanted what those teams got. And I'll throw in the other one too, the um, Minka Fitzpatrick going from um, Miami to Pittsburgh. The Steelers paid a really high price. So now a team looking to trade a defensive player says, well, I want what, what they got for Fitzpatrick. And, and the teams on the, on the buying end were like, well, we're not just because they gave that up. We're not giving that up. So I think that's what happened. It was a, it was a hard middle to meet because teams wouldn't budge either way. Mark, I want to ask you about Carson Wentz. I know you don't get to see the Eagles all the time anymore, but Wentz was a favorite for MVP in 2017, then struggled with the injuries in 2018. Now, sometimes he looks great, other times very average. Is he still on his way, do you think, to being a true franchise quarterback? Yes, yes. I, and, again, I, you're right, I haven't seen every game, but I've seen uh, – I saw. Um, I, I, watched, I was out watching the Bills game, so it's hard to really – you know, when you're when you're six games on at once and you're sitting in a in a restaurant, it's it's not you know. But I saw the Dallas game where he didn't play well. The whole team didn't play well. Um, listen, I, and I I read stuff on Twitter and Facebook and and all the people. Let me just say, Eagles Eagle fans, stop it. Carson <laughs> yeah. Wentz is the least of your problems. This did did Eagles have problems? Yes. Is Carson Wentz one of them? you got to go way down the list, for, in my opinion. You have to go way down the list to start blaming Carson Wentz. I mean, he, you know, he hasn't put up the gaudy numbers. And, that's, and see, that's the problem now, nowadays. Everybody plays fantasy football except me. And so if he, he, I'm sure he's not putting up – if he's on your fantasy team, you're probably not doing real, real well. But guess what? You know, I think he's – the games I've seen – the games that they've lost, I really can't blame Carson Wentz. And some of the games they won, I think he's played pretty well. He's been efficient, like the Packer game. Let's use that one as an example. Probably the Eagles' best best win of the year, right? He didn't put up gaudy numbers, but he played well. He didn't make any mistakes against a Packer defense that has lived off ma- making the other team make mistakes. Interceptions, fumbles, whatever. Sacks. Wentz didn't get sacked. Wentz didn't throw an interception. Wentz didn't do anything wrong in that game at all. He was very efficient and completed passes when he had to, was good on third down. You know, did he win that game for him? I mean, you could argue that, you know, the running backs had a good game, obviously, but he did what he was supposed to do in that game, and and they won. Um, You know, like you said, he's playing without his home run hitter in the offense, Deshaun Jackson. His wide receivers, the other guys really haven't stepped up. Jeffries isn't having as good a year as they expect him to. Nelson Aguilar, who I like personally, is really not having a good year. And then the, the, the two young guys, the, the rookie from Stanford, hasn't done a damn thing. He can't Nothing. even get on the field. And Mac Hollins, I read a thing today, he can catch. He went a whole month without catching a pass. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sad. That's and, almost and only a four, And only four targets. That's almost – and he played 300-and-something snaps, right? I mean, yeah. that's almost yeah. impossible. Really, that's almost impossible. I mean, of all the bad receivers we used to make fun of in, during the, the years with the Eagles, they caught a – they didn't go a whole month. You know, Riley Cooper caught a lot of heat, right? He never went a whole month without catching a pass. Yeah, right. Todd Pinkston, right. James Durash, all those guys. They didn't go – I mean, no, they, this this Mac Collins, has, he, he's got to step it up or step it out. I mean, yeah, come on. Right. Hey, Mark, along the same lines, I think – your your comment on fantasy football is really really good. Uh, I don't play it either anymore, but I think a lot of fans look at the numbers and 
you know, they want the Eagles to run the ball. They run the ball, run the ball, and they're successful like they were this week against Buffalo and a few other games. And Wentz's numbers, he throws for under 200 yards. Now, Wentz is underproducing, but they're running the ball for a couple hundred yards. The, the idea is to win the game. Exactly. And, and, and listen, and it's hard to do both. I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, yeah, the quarterback throws for 300 and you run for 150 and this. But come on, that doesn't happen. That happens once in a while. In a, in a, you know, in a, and that happened. That, that's the thing. That did happen sometimes during the Super Bowl year when, when you said Wentz was, was an MVP candidate. You know, things were that. That's not this team. This team isn't as talented as that team. And, you know, again, Wentz is not, in, in my opinion, and again, I'm not there every day. Um, it's easy to, I mean, the quarterback, and this, this is going on, I'm not breaking, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. The quarterback gets too much credit when, they, when a team wins, and he gets too much blame when a team loses. So they lose to the Cowboys in just an awful, awful performance by everyone. You know, they point the finger at Wentz, but it wasn't because, I mean, it was everybody. That, the whole, Doug Peterson, everybody, they all had a bad game that night. That was just, I couldn't believe what I was watching that night. I mean, they didn't even fight back. Yeah, well, and, you know, to follow up on that a little bit, I think if you look at the stats over the last five games, he has actually thrown for under 200 yards in four four of those five games, and they've won three of them. One was the Dallas debacle. The other one he threw for 306 against Minnesota, and they lose. So he's thrown for under 200 three times, and they win all three games. That's and that's been – and he hasn't – what are his stats, touchdowns, interceptions? Do you guys have that right available? Uh, I can have I that. Hang on. Three, four, it's pretty six, good, I think, right? Nine, yeah, 10, it's pretty 12, good. 14, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's that's real good, actually. That's more than three to one. That that's To me, that's the numbers. I don't – again, because I don't do the fantasy stuff, I I look at that numbers like, like that. Touchdowns to interceptions. And, you know, winning the game, obviously, is number one. Um, you know, yards are – some guys throw for a lot of yards because their teams are losing, and they just like you said the Viking game is a prime example. They were losing that game. He had to throw. He threw for three hundred, but they still lost the game. That that wasn't that's not a good thing to me. No, right. Hey, Mark. Uh, uh, you know what I'm happy with too? He's healthy. Yeah. The Carson Wentz yeah. is healthy. So far, so good. We're halfway through, and he hasn't you know he, has, he hasn't missed a snap, right? Right. Don't jinx nope. it. All right, Mark, the Eagles are 4-4 four four as we speak. Yeah, in addition to the Bears this week, they're back home now, the Eagles. They have three very difficult home games later on against the Patriots, Seahawks, and Cowboys, but the other four games should be easy doubles. Automatic so will, Automatic the Eagles, will the Eagles make the playoffs? You're going to say I'm, I'm hedging the bet here, but if they beat the, I think the winner of the Eagle-Cowboy game in Philly will win the division, and the loser won't be in the playoffs. Yeah, you're probably right. All right, thank you. Right. Well, that's just the Bears this week. This week, this week is, I don't want, I hate using that must win stuff because anything can happen, but they better beat the Bears this week. And that, it's, a, it's, I think they will. I don't, I don't think the Bears, I think the Bears, I think the Bears are kind of like the team that they, that they just beat Buffalo. Yeah. The team Offensively no challenged. Team. Yeah. The Bears might have a better, a little better defense than the Bills, at least more big names. Um, but the game's in Philly. Um, I said all along, I said, and I might miss my game, but I said if they went, they had those three tough road games, right? And then three, what looked like three tough home games. The Bears aren't as tough as people thought, but they were, you know, three playoff teams coming coming in, Bears, Patriots, Seahawks. 
I said from the beginning, if they went three and three, they were in real good shape. And I still think that if they can somehow beat one another, if, if they go three and three, now they're one, they're, they're one and two, so they'd have to go two and one at home. If they if they, they somehow go two and one with these three games, they're I think they make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, if follow, but, if, but if they lost it, you know, I, I take that back because if they lose to Dallas, then they would lose the tie. Then they yeah, got to be Dallas tiebreaker. So got to be got to be Dallas. Because yep. like you said, those hey Mark, I have one, I have one final question. I'm sorry. What was that? No, go ahead. Finish. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say I have one final question for you before we get to uh, Fast Five because we can't have you leave us without a Fast Five with Chet. So that's why I come on. I have one, I have, yeah. I have one final question. The Jim Schwartz philosophy, uh, I'm going to say it's Schwartz, Peterson, wherever it comes from, basically of playing this game without any linebackers. Um, how do you feel about that when you look around the league at a team like Dallas who has three guys that might be pro bowlers uh, and we have don't even put three on the field and the ones that are, are on the field – or average at best. Well, that goes back way before Peterson and Schwartz. I mean, since since the, since Jeremiah Trotter, and I'm, that's going back quite a way now, right? And they got lucky. They, the Eagles just they, they don't they don't care about the linebacker position. They haven't they haven't drafted one in the first round in forever. Uh, they've taken a couple in the second. They, they 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 draft low. They don't sign any big. Big name Nigel Bradham they got kind of by luck and not, I don't should say by luck but they got him because Schwartz knew him from when he played with him in Buffalo, but he was like a, when when they signed Nigel Bradham nobody said oh my God they got Nigel Bradham they said oh okay Nigel Bradham he started in Buffalo, um, they don't spend money they 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 Eagles for years and I don't know if it, I guess how he got it from Joe Banner, um, that's not a position that they put a high priority on they put their priority on defensive linemen. You know, offensive linemen and corners. That's where they draft. That's where they spend. And I don't know why. I don't know why because if you go back to the back in the day, back in the day, the Eagles have had some of the greatest linebackers of all time. Bill Berge. I mean, let's go back further. Chuck Bednarik, right? I mean, Bill Berge, Seth Joyner, Jeremiah Trotter. That's some great linebackers there. And for some reason, somewhere along the line, they decided, eh, linebackers not that important. We don't need any linebackers. And they mm-hmm. look at it. Although I'll tell you what, that, that kid, and again, I watched it just on TV at a, at a restaurant because we didn't, it wasn't the game, wasn't the national game here. That kid, Geary, looked like he played okay last week. Yeah, yeah he's had an up and down year, but he played well. Too. Yeah. He's last just not, he he's just again, not a bell ringer kind of guy, I don't think. No, he's not. He's certainly not. But, I mean, he, he yeah. didn't, he, he, he played better than I, than, I, than I thought he was able to play last week when I watched all right. Well, Mark, that gets us the fast five time. I'm going to turn you over to Chet. You, I know you're Uh-oh. up for it. Oh, I can't wait. All right. Yep. You know how it goes, Mark. Fast five, five <laughs> questions, five easy answers. Try to limit your responses to, you know, 20 seconds or whatever well, possible. Yeah. No, never. <laughs> Number one, you're paying attention to the NFL again, fortunately, Mark. The Patriots are looking like the class of the AFC once again, but rank the top four teams in the NFC in order here at midseason. No, who do I work for? Packer Report? Green Bay. <laughs> I've got to go. Green Bay, New Orleans, San Francisco, Seattle. Okay. Number two, the Eagles meet the Bears this weekend. One of the most memorable games, of course, between these two teams, of course, the Fog Bowl 31 years ago this New Year's Eve. What do you remember most about the Fog Bowl? It's the greatest game I never saw. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, wonder, I to be honest, 
I wanted to write a book about that game. It was, a, it was the craziest, the whole, that whole weekend, it was the craziest thing I've ever been involved with in 32 years of covering the team. Yeah, Buddy going into town. Yep. Bleeping the horns, lights on, bleep. I mean, it yeah, started with yeah. that and it ended with something. I mean, it, was a great, it was the craziest thing. I, there's a whole chapter of it in, in my book, uh, yeah. the Big 50, but I think I could have done a whole book just on a fog bowl. I really, and I no, still might. That, I still, keep I, that I, in I, mind. And, Mark, I apologize in advance for this one, but i got to do it. Number three, it requires a bit of a setup, specifically a flashback to your April visit to our show when during Fast Five we had this particular third question. Number three, will the Cleveland Browns make the playoffs next season? Oh, not only make the playoffs, they're going to win the AFC North and win a playoff game. So, Mark, they're two and five, Freddie Kitchens Browns. They're not looking like a playoff team. What happened? They hired Freddie Kitchens. (laughs) <laughs> That's what they did. I didn't realize what a bad coach he was. My God, he's terrible. But you know what? They're not going to win the North. They're not going to. I, I take that back. They're not going to win the North. I. You know what though? I'm going to stick to. I think they still make the playoffs. Wow. <laughs> I disagree. Look but at their we'll schedule. See. Okay. Look at their okay. schedule, Chad. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that. I'm not guaranteeing anything. But okay, good. I good. think they, I think they can still make the playoffs. The AFC. Listen, the AFC is for some. There's going to be. Two good teams in the NFC that don't make the playoffs this year. I don't know who they're going to be. One of them is going to be the Eagles or the Cowboys. And I think there's going to be two bad teams. Put it this way. The Eagles might miss the playoffs. They, they, they might win nine games, ten games even, and miss the playoffs if they don't beat Dallas. The Buffalo Bills, who the Eagles beat pretty easily in Buffalo, probably, will probably make the AFC playoffs. That tells you all, yeah. all, you, all you need to know right, right there, right? Could be a wild card team. You're right. Number four, Mark. It's Halloween tomorrow. Are you a horror movie guy? And if so, what's your favorite? I'm not. A, like, I'm not a horror movie. Like I'm not a Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween. Those movies. Exorcist. Is is that a horror movie? Yeah, absolutely. That's that, that, that would be my favorite because that was that was really good. Definitely top ten for me there. No, Halloween number one for me. The Halloween 1978 film. All right. Speaking of Halloween, yeah, number five. Number. Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite candy or candy bar? Mounds. Mounds. Wow. Mounds. Not even not even in my top ten. But Mounds one, I, Reese's peanut butter cup two. That's in my top three. Peanut butter cups, love those. All right, you did I'll it again, Mark. Third. Another but fast five. Like <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's that? Sometimes you hey, know. By the way, guys, thank you. So, I, I got to say this. Thank you so much for my press box, my press box T-shirt. I wear it proudly when I walk the beach in the mornings. Perfect, perfect shirt to wear walking in the nice, beautiful weather here. Awesome. So thank you again. Good deal. Good deal. Well, hey, Mark, we appreciate you coming by to join us. Let's do it again and uh, go birds. And Packers. All right, tell all my friends up there I said hi. All right, you got it, Mark. Thanks. Will do. Thanks, Mark. Let's take a break to talk about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I tell you often about their terrific food menu, but they have frequent drink specials, too, and always 24 beers on tap. Lots of fun events as well. There's trivia every Wednesday, a DJ every Friday night, and live music every Saturday night. This weekend, Saturday the 2nd, in addition to the band Never Enough, it's the Irish Rover's annual Halloween Bash with prizes for the best costumes, plus Bud Light specials and spooky cocktails. The Irish Rovers on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! 
It sure is good, Chet, and so were the Phillies as they got their guy in Joe Girardi. His press conference certainly paints him as a Philly kind of guy, something that, that Gabe Kapler was just never able to do. Yeah, that was one thing that did work against Kapler his whole two years here. Philly fans just never warmed up to him. Now comes Girardi, who, even though he spent several years playing in and managing in New York, was the fans' number one choice and absolutely said all the right things at his introductory press conference the other day, such as this I'm right selfish. here. I want to win, and that's why I came here, because I think there's a great opportunity to win here. Love it. Absolutely. He certainly said the right things. And, uh, hey, Chet, I, he was on an interview on one of the sports radio shows. I was driving. I don't, I don't know which one's which really any, up here. But um, he was on, and he was uh, talking about college football. He is a crazy college football fan. And he said that when game day is on, he is not to be interrupted. And when the, when the uh, Lee Corso puts the headpiece on, who's going to win the game? Nobody in his house is allowed in the room. He is a college <laughs> football guy. Well, he's obviously then a Bill Furman kind of guy right there. That's right. Well, he said that actually his, his football was his passion, uh, but he was a 5'11 quarterback who couldn't run and couldn't throw, so he decided he better stick with baseball. But he's a crazy college football fan, and uh, that's good with me. Yeah, and I loved everything he said about, you know, mixing in the analytics, but he also has to go with his gut at times, too. And he just really said all the – as bad as the press conference was when they announced the Kapler firing, it was great with Girardi and Matt Klintak also on – I guess it was Monday, not last week, but Monday. And I like what Matt Klintak uh, had to say right here, by the way. Now that our team is where it is and we've added you know, through free agency or through players coming through our system where we've reached a place where it is time to win. And no, no questions asked. It is time to win right now. That lends itself to bringing in a guy who has done that. It's time to win, Bill. Amen. Uh, no, no argument from me, and no argument from the Phillies, Phillies fans. That's for darn sure. Hey, one Just other baseball to, thing yeah. I wanted to hit you with, Chet. Uh, I heard this yesterday. There was an interview with Ryan Howard on the radio, and uh, you know Ryan now works for ESPN, and he was there promoting some other stuff. And of course, the uh, Joe Girardi talking about Ryan Howard in the press conference with the signing signing of the baseball right. was kind of cool. But the stat came up that Reese Hoskins, I didn't even know this was a stat, Reese Hoskins led the league in launch angle. What the heck is that? <laughs> he led I, the I, league in launch angle. I don't understand the whole launch angle thing and the emphasis on it. I don't know. But I'll tell you, I did hear Girardi today on, uh, with Mike Missinelli on 97.5 in Philly, and Missinelli asked him about uh, – some of that stuff, and uh, what the heck was my point? Uh, it was about it going with the matter. gut. And oh yes, no, it was about are you a when for batters? Are you a weighted out kind of guy, or if the pitch is there, you swing at it? And he said it's pretty much up to the batter. But if you want to swing at the first pitch, if it's there, something you like, you go for it. So I liked hearing that. Yeah, me too. And, and I'll tell you, Ryan, Ryan in that interview on Reese, uh, I mean, he, he basically put on a, a five-minute clinic on hitting. It was really kind of good. And really yeah. thinks the world of Reese Hoskins and the way that Reese works and that he's going to get a lot better and he's going to get through what he went through here at the end of the year and he's going to come back and be better. He really likes 
Reese Hoskins as a as a hitter and how he works. So uh, coming from somebody who did it pretty well, that was pretty good. Yeah, and I hope he's right because, you know, I'm a big Hoskins fan. And it was tough to watch in the last couple of months of this past season, and I hope he turns it around because he's a, he's a good young guy, I think, and I think he does still have a lot of potential. So I hope they do work with Hoskins and get him figured out because he can be a huge part of this team going forward. He is the huge part. I think we, we, yeah. we pretty well know what we're going to get from Harper. We know what we're going to get from Ramuto. If we get what we think we should get from from – Hoskins, we've got the makings to be pretty darn good. You know it. All right. Well, hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate and Westchester. You know it. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal and then show you the right professional solutions, the financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, the number 610-430-0700. That's Westchester, Pennsylvania. And start planning for your retirement today, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, I'm going to be seeing this legendary band, Blue Oyster Cult. Yes, they're still alive and still around this Friday night. Very nice. And, hey, Chad, speaking of Dave LaVoy, I got to see him yesterday and uh, get well to Dave. He had a pretty uh, serious uh, surgery on his arm, uh, had, had it in a massive brace. And uh, so get well to Dave and get back. Uh, get back. I'm sure he's listening and uh, wish him all the best. Absolutely. Feel better, Dave. All right. Hey, Chad, Sixers out of the blocks in a hurry, 3-0, and winning one of those games without Joel Embiid and, he certainly dominated the last one. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, what seems like a lack of three-point shooting plays out for this club, even though it's only three games in. Yeah, they certainly haven't shot the threes well at all, but it hasn't killed them yet, hasn't really hurt them too much. It's not who they are, though. They're a big team. They'll still shoot the trays when they're there, and they won't always get away with poor shooting nights like they did on Monday. But, you know, that being said, I was impressed with how they – came and battled back and won both Saturday in a tight game against Atlanta, I guess, or that was somebody else in Atlanta on Saturday, Monday against Atlanta, rallying from eight down with, I think, 440 to go in the Monday night game down there. Embiid with a monster game. Game one, it was Ben Simmons leading the way. Game two, Tobias Harris and Al Horford took charge with Embiid out. Game three, Embiid was back, and as you said, he was a monster. So there's a lot of talent on this team, and that's what can happen. Somebody different stepping up each night. Well, and, and I'm going to tell you, uh, I know you have to be able to shoot the threes, but being the dinosaur that I am, I like this big team. I like playing the game more in the paint, more on the perimeter, you know, the inside perimeter, if you will, rather than standing outside at the arc, bombing away. Now, you got to be able to do it because the other team, you can't swap twos for threes if the other team's hitting the threes. So you have to be able to do it. But if the big fella is going to throw in 36 down in the paint, uh, going to win a lot of games there. Yeah, absolutely. And tonight the uh, Sixers are hosting those T-Wolves with Carl Anthony Towns and our old pal Robert Covington back in town. Yeah. What, what about old Robert Covington? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like I him. I don't think about him. Yeah, he, he had some injury issues, but he's back now. He's healthy. And uh, 
I think the fans generally liked him. Some people got on him saying he was overrated as far as the defense goes and, you know, he couldn't finish his shots all the time. But he was a good guy and a good player for the most of the time he was here. Good good guy, but I, I don't know about – he was a bit of an overpaid player. Let's go with oh, that. Yeah, what well, do you think? There's a lot of that in the <laughs> NBA. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Hey, Flyers, Ooh, they're going to be a mystery all year, it seems. They win three, lose four, win three, lose two. Carter Hart's struggling, top line struggling, and they go into Pittsburgh last night completely unprepared and just get their brains beat out last night by the Penguins. Uh, it was ugly. Uh, things were looking up last week. Yes, it was Brian Elliott in goal much of that time, not Carter Hart, but they did win three straight games. Then Sunday and Tuesday happened, and they got ambushed by both the Islanders and the Penguins. So the Flyers have really struggled on the road this season, and there are a lot of concerns. Um, you've watched them more closely than me, Bill. So what's your view? Is it the defense breaking down, or what's going on? Yeah, you know, last night the defense in the first period was horrendous. They gave up four goals, three in about a matter of two or two and a half minutes. They were just awful. Uh, really nothing Brian Elliott could do in that game. And, you know, when you're down four nothing, it's, it's pretty well over. So it was just a matter of holding on. Uh, they didn't put Carter Hart in there because there was really no reason to blame Elliott. The big problem that I see is they came out you know, I, I just can't explain what looked like such a confused lack of effort. And I, I never like to use that lack of effort word, but it almost looked like a lack of effort against Pitt, I mean, it's Pittsburgh. You know, it, it's a game that you, is, you, you have circled in your schedule, and they just came out unready to play. Yeah, a division rival, your most hated rival, and it was just ugly. Uh, but, hey, you mentioned Carter Hart. You know, I said at the beginning when we, at the beginning of uh, the season when we did our preview show that he was going to have his ups and downs. He was going to have some, you know, full-season rookie struggles. But he's really struggled more than I expected. Uh, I guess it was Sunday night against the Islanders. He gave up, what, four goals in less than a half a game. Um, do you still have faith in him? I do. I think he'll be okay eventually, that these are, these are things that are just going to, you know, pass, and by the end of the year he'll be okay. But from what you've seen, do you still have faith in him? Oh, absolutely, I do. And uh, but but I have no problem with him going with Elliot. You know, it, hockey's about a hot hand, and and Elliot had been playing well, uh, whether you give him the blame for last night or not, and all the goals. But he had been playing pretty well, so they went with him out there in Pittsburgh. I certainly like to see Carter Hart's the future. Uh, I'd still like to see him play three out every four games, at least. But uh, yeah, he he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine, no problem. You know, the other thing that's a little worrisome is the big, the big guns, the Giroux, Vorchek, Ben Reemsdijk, and those guys are not scoring goals yet, and uh, not many, and they need to warm up. Connecting in that bunch are the ones scoring the goals. Yeah, and now they're off until Friday, so uh, they got a couple days to think about what happened these last couple of games, and then they pick it up again on Friday. Have you heard anything about Nolan Patrick? Because I haven't heard anything in the last week. All I've heard is that he continues to get better and that he's getting closer. But now there's some, well, I guess now after these last two games, it's come out that the roster is under review again. But I guess uh, there were some questions about, um, you know, what roster move was going to be made with Nolan Patrick. And also Morgan Frost is now warming up and getting himself healthy. And it looks like it's not going to be too awful long and he's going to get the call. So, there's going to be some, some changes, as we thought uh, there were going to be. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Morgan Frost whenever he does get up to the big club because we know the kind of numbers he was putting up, uh, you know, in the minors. Uh, so I can't wait to see him. Yeah, oh, I'm excited about seeing him. And uh, they say I'm not sure who, who goes because there are a handful of young guys that are playing pretty well uh, or, or have high expectations, certainly, and are only going to get better with more uh, NHL action. So I think it's a, it's a little bit of a chess game on who – who is going to get gone? And uh, one one guy, Ted, I think is I keep reading that there may be some doghouse issues. Is that Jake Borchek? Sounds like he mm. is not off on the right foot with his coaching staff. Very interesting, Bill. What's going yeah. on with the Raz room these days? Tell me about the Raz. Well, the PPCC 118 Raz room posts great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page. So people can take a chance of winning something that they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out the Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room. On Facebook and Chad, I'll tell you right now, there's just a couple lines left on a Trace McSorley jersey. Sorry, I hit the music and button, Bill. I thought you were done. <laughs> that's okay, because it's bread and butter fantasy football time with our guru, Fred. You go back to break down week nine of the season. Fred, welcome back. I thought I was being announced as Trace McSorley. I was going to go with it. <laughs> Trace <laughs> McSorley joining us live. Hey, Fred, how are the Sixers doing tonight, by the way? I haven't been uh, checking the score. How are they doing? Ah, they're looking good. Defense is looking great. Covington already can't play man-to-man defense like you couldn't hear. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm appreciating it a lot. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, any, uh, does the trades or lack of trades uh, change much in the fantasy football world? Um, I guess you would – well, there were some trades that happened last week that definitely impacted, you know, with um, Emmanuel Sanders. And then I, I don't believe we talked about it. Kenyon Drake's another trade that, that does have impact. But there weren't any, you know, major moves, if, if that, you know, that really, you know, alter a team, you know. But are some of the trades, like Emmanuel Sanders is a particular one, it helps. He scored a touchdown for the 49ers. That, in turn, would help Garoppolo as a quarterback. But then on the other end, that gives you the opportunity to pick up a waiver wire person like Deshaun Hamilton or Cortland Sutton, who now are going to get a lot more targets in Denver, you know. And and the same thing goes for any trade that happens. There's another guy that has to step up from that other team. Hey, Fred, uh, let me ask you about Zach Ertz. Uh, his production has gone down of late. Is he? I guess people are still keeping him on their weekly rosters, but what's his lack of production lately done to uh, teams? See, here's the thing, and, and Goddard was going to be one of the tight ends that I brought up because he's back-to-back weeks with touchdowns, and he's definitely a yeah. guy you want to pick up. But Ertz, for the most part, is still getting the targets. You know, even though he's not, the catches aren't showing up, um, he's still getting the targets and the share of the targets. So, you would keep him, and then hopefully he's going to start – they're going to connect, you know, you would think, eventually yeah. at least to be a little more adequate. But, you know, I, I, I certainly – you know, if I had a tight end matchup-wise that is playing a team that is very bad against a tight end and that, and that particular tight end gets a lot of targets, I may think about starting him over Ertz, you know, to see what happens. But 
Ertz should come back. He's a he's a Pro Bowl guy. He, he, I don't see why. I, they're just not connected right now. Yep. All right. So what do you have uh, as far as advice for Week Nine, Fred? At uh, at quarterback, I um Jimmy Garoppolo this Thursday is a great matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. He's available in in mostly every league I've I've looked at. Um, Gardner Minshew is another one. He had a great week. He, he seems to have two good weeks and a bad week. He's definitely a quarterback you can get in there and 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 get some point, at least twenty points from. Um, the Texans aren't great against the pass. Kirk Cousins is still available. He's going up against the Chiefs and maybe even Derek Carr against the Detroit Lions. I, I would think about depending on my situation. Um, the running back spot is so dry. I, it's if you didn't get people that we talked about weeks before, you're, you're you're looking bare right now, so unless you make a trade. But Devin Singletary, I, I noticed, was available in 35% of ESPN leagues. He's a guy you might want to grab. Uh, Kenyon Drake, he he just got traded. He may be available. One guy I noticed, Adrian Peterson, has had three weeks in a row over 75 yards rushing, and he has a couple decent matchups coming up against defenses so that don't stop the run well, so he might be a guy you could pick up for flex at running back, uh, wide receiver, uh, Muhammad Sanu. There's a trade bill um, for going to the, the New England Patriots. You know, that's a guy who's on the waiver wire that now you, you pick up and with Josh Gordon hurt and rumored to be released, he's definitely a guy you at least put on your bench and see if he's going to start to be a guy that, that scores a ton of points. Um, Day-Day Westbrook, John Brown, they were all in 30% which is not a lot, but it's still 30% of leagues that those guys are floating around. One injury, Carry um, on Johnson got injured for the Detroit Lions, and there was a bunch of running backs there, and they seem to just be cycling the running backs. But what I did notice was the passing game, Danny Amendola has been involved a lot more. So he's a guy that is available on waiver wires that has had two back-to-back very good weeks that, that you could pick up. Tight end, we we talked about Goddard already. There's also T.J. Hawkinson, who who has a good matchup but hasn't done well this year. And then uh, moving to the defenses, the Cowboys defense, um, they're a pretty good D, and they're going up against the Giants. Daniel Jones, he he's been turning the ball over. He scores too. He gets some touchdown passes in there, but he he's been turn turning the ball over. You got the Panthers against the Titans. That, that's a good matchup with Tannehill, and then the Seahawks against uh, Jameis Winston and Tampa Bay. But that's what I got for this week. All right. Good stuff. Well, hey, it's time for this week's NFC East picks. Uh, Chet, how did we do last week? What are the standings? And, and I know somebody guaranteed a win, but we probably shouldn't talk about that. Well, hey, I, I did pick the exact right score of that Eagles-Bills game, 31-13, except, of course, I had the Bills winning, not the Eagles. So you can't win them all. But anyway, Fred and I were both 3-1. and one. And you, Bill Furman, I think you were the guarantee guy, somehow did go a perfect 4-0, and so congrats on that. The standings now find Fred alone in first place at 19-10. and Bill, you've moved into second at 18-11. and And I'm now in third place, also known as last, at 17-12. and So two games separate the three of us in the standings. Still pretty tight. Long way to go. Uh, things are starting to line up as they should. Just one more move. <laughs> all right. Hey, all about 500. Here we yeah. go. Week nine. How about Let's that? start it out. Redskins at Buffalo. Bills are minus 10. Cowboys coming off a bye week. Go to the Giants uh, in New York on Monday night football. Cowboys minus 7. I threw in an AFC wild card game and Patriots at the Ravens. I like that game. Patriots minus 4. 
and the Eagles host the Bears in the link. Eagles minus five. So, Fred, um, Bills, Redskins, Bills minus ten. Who you like? The point spread says it all there. I really can't go against a team with a ten-point point spread. So, I'm going to take Buffalo. Um, we beat them last week, but uh, I don't. I don't think. I think they rebound and, and definitely beat the Redskins. Yeah, the Redskins stink. Uh, Buffalo bounces back with a victory. Yeah, I'm going to say the Redskins stink, but I also think the Bills aren't much better than stink. But I'm going to take the Bills and ride the 10 points as well. So I guess we're all the same there. Cowboys yep. coming off the bye against the Giants, minus seven, Monday night football. Fred? Who's home in this one? Giants. Let's roll the dice here. We're going with uh... – Daniel Jones and the New York Football Giants at home Monday Night Football. Wow. Saquon goes off. Well, I would love to see an upset, but despite my apparent bromance with Daniel Jones, I'm picking the Cowboys here. I think Dallas wins this one at MetLife. Yeah, I I hate the root for the – no, I'm not going to root for them. I hate to pick the Cowboys, but I think the Cowboys will win this uh, – and, then Fred, I hope you're right, and I hope Saquon does go off, but I'm going yeah. Cowboys. All right, Patriots at Ravens, at the Ravens. Patriots minus four. I really like this game, Fred. Yeah, the, this is the first game for the um, the Patriots that they're actually playing some kind of competition. Um, but I'm not going to bet against them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Patriots here. They're favored on the road, so I'm going to roll with the Pats. Yeah, I, I mean, New England's done pretty much everything right this season. Now they got the new wide receiver also. So I got to go Patriots until somebody proves me wrong. New England wins. Well, I'm going to say that the Patriots have to lose sometime. So why not let it be on the road at Baltimore uh, against a pretty diverse team? And, and I wouldn't Woo. be surprised if the Patriots run the whole table. But I'm going to take the Ravens just because I need to get a game. And uh, let's see how this works out. I'm going to go Ravens. This one. <laughs> All right. All right. Eagles-Bears. Eagles minus five. Eagles minus five. They they get the win last week. The Bears' offense is terrible. We're, we're seeming to be getting a little healthy there on defense and offense. Deshaun Jackson might be back, but he's got the sports hernia. That, that, it's that same injury McNabb had. Um, I'm going to go with the Eagles here. I think we win. I'm actually going to the game free ticket someone called me yesterday so i'm gonna go so i um i'm coming off that win at green bay so we're gonna ride it we're gonna ride it this week as well i'll say 20 because that defense is good it, it's gonna be all up front because they're gonna have dillard with khalil mack and um i'm gonna say 24 13 birds mm-hmm. all right i think the eagles win this one also with or without deshaun jackson i have the eagles winning 27-17. And I'm going Eagles. The only thing that surprises me about this game is the minus five. It seems a little low to me, but I'm going to go Eagles. I'm going to go 31-17, and they're going to run the football, and they're going to run it right at Khalil Mack. They're going to see another grind-out game by the Birds. They're going to put up a lot of points. All right. Okay, so Fred, before we let you go, let the listeners know how to follow you, and uh, – have fun on Sunday at the game. 
Sounds good. Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter at Fred Hugo underscore on Instagram at Fred Hugo underscore, and then just search Fred Hugo on Facebook. Um, and then uh, you got me my Fredandbutter dot com as well for fantasy gambling type fun stuff. That Facebook page, and then I'm also I do a, a Sixers. I'll be writing for the Sixers and a Sixers five on edgeofphilly dot com. So go birds. All right. Thanks, Fred. Enjoy, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, see you. Hey, hey, Chet, before we get to our guest for next week, uh, let's talk about our Philly Press Box Radio shirts available and ready to go. Well, as our Facebook friends noted, um, I wore my nice green dry fit shirt on Monday night, and I thought I looked pretty darn good in it. Uh, we do have some great-looking green logo T-shirts now, and they are available for sale as per our ads that we've posted a few times now on Facebook. Just like with our red logo shirts last spring, they are available in regular material and the fabulous dry fit styles. We sell them for $15, regular material, or $17, depending on you know, which one you want. Add 2 bucks more if you need 2XL or 3XL. Shipping, $7 per shirt, or 10 bucks if you're going to buy two. See our ad on Facebook. Let us know which shirt or shirts you would like to buy. Get a couple. Why not? It's the holiday season coming up. They make a great gift. So uh, check them out. Green logo, Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts. They are must-have. There you go. All right. Tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. Two guests, Bill, both longtime friends of our show. First up, we're going to talk Joe Girardi and all things Phillies, maybe throwing a little Penn State football, too, with the great Chris Wheeler. He'll be joining us live. And then we'll talk a little Eagles and some cool things coming up in the weeks ahead from the Barkan Healing Hearts Foundation with our pal Mike Barnes. Very nice. I think the Barkan Foundation does have some really cool things coming up. It looks like I'm starting to see little little notes slipping out. Yep, you are correct. Uh, very good. All right, looking forward to that. So how about a parting shot? Do you have one? I do not have one tonight. Uh, some random things, as I've been doing a lot lately. Bill, I saw reports last evening that the Philadelphia Soul and the five other Arena Football League teams have suspended operations. It sounds like the league may be folding up shop soon, so stay tuned for that. This past Sunday was one of those very rare days that happens just once or twice most Octobers. All four major pro sports had games that mattered. There were games in the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, and, of course, it was Game 5 of the World Series. That's pretty cool. What you don't often see in a World Series game happened on live TV that night. Two attractive models sitting behind home plate, flashing a nationwide TV audience. I couldn't believe it. I had to watch it 10 or 12 times just to make sure it really happened. It did. The Eagles Bears game, yeah. The Eagles Bears game this Sunday gets the Fox D-list announcing crew. So, Dick Stockton on play-by-play. You know, it's time to call it a career, Dick. Really. And Bill, as we mentioned earlier, this Thursday is Halloween. As I mentioned, I love horror movies and I love all things scary. So, happy Halloween, everybody. And you love Kate Beckinsale. You know, I do love Kate Beckinsale. And speaking of which, last week I played that little clip of her talking about liking to be naked in the kitchen eating cheese. This is a little longer clip of that same thing because we have some time this week. So let's hear a little more Kate Beckinsale because, you know, it's always good to hear Kate. 
I think it's important to be nude as much as possible and just sort of stand in your kitchen eating cheese and being naked. Yeah. You know, I think make the most of the opportunity. Eating cheese and nudity don't seem like, to me, the greatest combination. Listen, if, if you're Kate Beckinsale, you can eat cheese in the nude. Do it. I mean, <laughs> if I were you, I'd be on this talk show fully nude. <laughs> Next time. I'm all for it. <laughs> so you are. And with that, we've reached the top of the hour because I can't top any of that. <laughs> Thanks to a special guest, Mark Eckel and Fred Hugo. Our, sp our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, November 6th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcasts on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify, among others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go birds. I'm selfish. I want to win, and that's why I came here, because I think there's a great opportunity to win here.